We've done a whole jaunt through witching 101 here over the last two months or so. So if you miss these episodes, you'll want to go back and listen to them. We have talked about tarot and oracle cards. We talked about runes. We talked about crystals, herbs, the wheel of the year, astrology, ritual, and numerology. And that takes us through the basics of your witchy toolkit. I guess we could add on there candles and nature, your own energy. So a lot more to add to it. But we went through a bunch of the basic tools that people ask us about all the time and just gave you an overview so that you could understand more about them, what you need to know, what you don't need to know, and decide if they're right for you. And I'm going to give you a recap of that journey in today's episode. If the word witch makes you feel full of power and excitement, if you love personal development but loathe boring love and light conversation, if a sexy combo of witchery and inner work piques your interest, you're in the right place. Welcome home, Magic Maker, and welcome to Expedition to Soul, the podcast brought to you by the Sisters Enchanted. Happy end of February. And actually, it's a leap year day. A leap day? How do we say that? I don't know how to say that. This is a day that doesn't exist. (laughs) Other days. If you're listening to this and today is your birthday, happy freaking birthday. I hope you celebrate what is it, every four years. I hope you celebrate like crazy and get all those birthday celebrations in at once. I feel like that if this is your birthday, that's a pretty special thing because um, it's like magic every time it comes around again and it appears. So we've got our extra day in the year this year. Uh, what's what's that numerologically? So we talked numerology in our last episode. So nine plus two is 11, which is a repeating number. So an angel number, but then that adds down to two. So we have the repeating of ones. So two ones there. I think that that is, um, you know, looking to thyself for answers. And then two is that number of balance. Both of them are early in the journey, though, if you're thinking of that process of being on a journey and lessons learned. So it's like renewal every time this day comes around. Anyway, (laughs) I'm rambling. Let's get through our recap of the series that I've had for you on this sort of witching 101. Now, I got to tell you, if you're interested in learning more about these topics, um, excuse me, we teach about metaphysical tools and topics along with a method to help you change the way you think in our holistic witchery program, because we know that tools alone can become, you know, they're amazing for like a hobby or things to learn about, but that transformation that happens with the tool happens within and the tool being your support. So we combine the way of thinking with the tools to help people grow and live the life they desire to be living. If that sounds like you, be sure to check out more information. The first tool that we talked about on this Witching 101 series is a tool that's near and dear to my heart. It was my first um, metaphysical tool that I learned many moons ago, uh, tarot cards. So we talked about tarot cards and oracle cards and sort of the difference between them. They really act as a beautiful reflective tool for us. 
um, to help us understand what we're thinking, how to ask different questions of ourselves, how to consider different angles we haven't considered before. They act more, in my opinion, tarot and oracle cards are amazing for helping you do the inner reflective work that you might not have done by yourself or to just think about your situation in another way. Where I see tarot and oracle cards becoming a crutch is where we start to look for answers, like looking for these cards to tell us what is next for us, as opposed to how can we think in a new way and apply that to our lives. There are like a million bajillion tarot and oracle card decks and there's something for everybody out there, whatever it is that your love language, the kind of style that you like, you're going to find something that works for you, but dive in. I mean, we have so many good resources on our blog, the podcast, our YouTube channel, all about tarot and oracle cards. So we've got resources to help you learn how to read tarot oracle cards. They are not as structured as tarot. So you can certainly just dive in and start exploring without learning the structure with Oracle cards. But if you don't have a deck, get yourself one, like gift yourself a deck and just look through the imagery, light a candle, have a cup of tea and enjoy the experience. All right. The next tool that we talked about was runes and runes have a they are adapted from an ancient alphabet system. But the modern metaphysical meanings attached to them are just that modern metaphysical meanings. And you can actually create your own rune system as well. They, many people do it. And you can even buy rune systems that are based, that are new, fresh, that people have come up with. So you could just make your own symbols and assign meaning to them and then make casting runes or rune cards and uh, just enjoy that as a method of divination. What's cool about runes, though, and casting, so you can cast absolutely anything. Um, you just have a, a bowl or a basket or a bag, a, a sachet <laughs> of items, and you sort of toss them onto a table or onto a cloth or within a space. And one of the cool things about casting and casting with runes is that you have both the meanings of the object that you cast, but then you can also look at where the objects have landed together. A lot like you'd interpret a tarot spread where, where the cards are placed or Lenormand, which is a whole other topic. But the the items that you cast that land close to you, for example, might mean more than the, the ones that are far away. Or you could look at what landed in the north, the east, the south, the west position. Um, in our models that we teach, we look at the expansion archetypes, and then we look at the five eyes for the cardinal directions. So I could actually even look at you know, what fell in the eastern point and what that means about where we're taking action or not, or what fell in the southern point and what that means about shadow work. So you can create your own systems for interpretation. It's really fun to do. And you can cast like literally anything. You can cast stones, shells, um, beads, collect little objects, like anything at all. So runes and casting, it's this whole own fun topic that I think you can really make your own and make it unique to you. Crystals, we talked about crystals. Crystals, you can cast crystals also. You can also do divination with crystals if you have a bowl of it helps if they're similar. This is just an opinion, really. I find that it helps if they're similar in size and texture so that you truly don't, 
you intuitively choose a stone with a message for you rather than being able to put your hand in and feel like, oh, I know this big one is, you know, whatever. And this small jagged one is whatever. So if you have a lot of smaller tumbled stones that are about the same size, same texture, and you have them in a bowl or a bag, and you can actually just like you would with tarot or oracle cards, choose one. And the stone you choose is the message for you for that day. But crystals, they're the earth's natural healers. They have properties of energy to them. They have um, resonances. They have color theory applied when we can interpret them. And they can help us in healing. They can help us to just connect to an, a, an earthly grounding energy. We can put them on our body. We can put them, make grids and charge up our beverages or our candles or photos with the energy of the crystals. So much we can do with crystals. I think that what trips people up with crystals is thinking you need to buy tons and tons of crystals before you can use them. And honestly, a clear quartz you can use for anything that you'd use any crystals for. Uh, you could also get the same experience just by using earthly elements in your own backyard or wherever it is that you have access to nature with stones and rocks at the beach or a riverbank. You don't have to have all of these different crystals. I find that it is the the anchoring energy of something that came from the earth that really can help you connect to that amplification, that healing energy. And it doesn't have to be some crystal from a store, you know, that an $80 crystal or something. It can be, it doesn't have to be. So um, be open-minded when it comes to stones and crystals and what you can actually use and what you have to have versus what you could just go out and get for yourself. We also talked about herbs and we talked about uh, different ways to use herbs. I love, I like to drink tea, so I use herbs in that way, but herbs in soups and stews and cooking, like nothing is the classic fairy tale witch and <laughs> cooking something, you know, in a cauldron or in a stove. And I, uh, we all know those tales of witches, the, the specific tale of trapping the children in the stove. Anyway, let's not do that. That's frowned upon, but <laughs> herbs and cooking herbs and, um, baking and, and tea obviously are all amazing ways to use herbs, but we can also use dried plants or herbs on candle dressings. We can use them in grid work, like making a crystal grid. We can put them into pouches and wear them on our body or put them under our pillows or put them in baths. Herbs are a, a beautiful and easy and inexpensive, often inexpensive way to in, incorporate a bit of connection and presence, intention, and that sacred element to things you're already doing in life. Like you're already taking a shower. So if you just put uh, some herbs in a little packet and then you hang it from your shower head or something and kind of get like that steam scent going, or if you're taking a bath and you toss it in or soap that has herbs um, in it or is, has that plant element, so many easy ways that we can just use herbs in our daily life without having to buy a whole bunch of extra stuff because we'd be doing it anyway. Um, and of course, all of the healing properties, the metaphysical and the healing properties of herbs as well, and we get both those elements. The wheel of the year was another topic that we touched on. And those are the eight Sabbaths or festivals that celebrate and mark the turning of the seasons. Uh, 
right now, if you're listening to this, when it came out, we're right between, um, we are right between winter and spring. So we're in a transition point. And the next point on the wheel of the year will be Ostara, which is the spring equinox, the first day of spring. And with the wheel of the year, we can look to what's happening and the cycles around us, look to nature and use those moments to check in with ourselves, check in with our lives, check in with our bodies and our people and our families, and just come back to um, a neutral point to ask, all right, how are we all feeling? How are we feeling seasonally? How are we feeling in our life? What needs to be adjusted? And to also have these moments of connection with each other. So many of the modern Um, consumer holidays and Christian holidays that are celebrated line up with seasons on the wheel of the year. So like Easter and Ostara um, in the spring, we have Christmas and Yule as one of those, uh, Halloween and Samhain, Um, Thanksgiving in the U.S. and Canada. The uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, I believe, is in October. U.S. it's in November, but the witches Thanksgiving would be in September. But we have that theme of fall gratitude and thanksgiving, giving thanks with our family. And we would see that during that time of year on the wheel of the year in September. So we can take, again, a lot of these lessons that we learn with the wheel of the year and some of the things we're already doing in our life, if we're just part of society and family traditions, and we can Um, we can elevate the experiences we're already having by connecting to nature as well and connecting to ourselves and the cycles. We talked about astrology, which is, oh my gosh, it is a topic. (laughs) When, if you join us in our holistic witchery program at any point in time, we teach astrology fundamentals in there, which is enough for you to be dangerous with a birth chart. I will tell you that. I love astrology. Somebody actually, a few years ago, we were having a team TSE meeting and the topic came up of like, what is the one thing that we teach that you think everybody should learn? And at the time, we now we have our five eye spiral, which I think everybody should learn because it is truly the, when you practice it and you practice it in your daily life and your thought patterns, I mean, it is instant magic. It is the thing that will let you move from, like chaos and madness to self-assuredness and confidence and taking action very, very quickly. And it's a thought model that works with your energy, your inner energy. And that aside, tools that existed before the sisters enchanted, if it came down to tarot and astrology, I would tell you astrology all day long. The thing about astrology is that it has a learning curve to it where tarot People think tarot has a learning curve, but it it really doesn't if you get out of your own way and perfectionism around it. Astrology does have a learning curve, (laughs) which is why I think folks hesitate to learn it. But the inner knowledge you gain about yourself, I mean, it is absolutely game changing. Every time I uncover something about my birth chart, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And then I head on over to my husband's birth chart, my kids' birth charts, my the people I work with. And I'm like, what, where is this for you? Where are we touching each other to look at those relationships and just understand better? And that's made so much difference in my life. But we did talk about astrology. The three big things in astrology are your sun, your moon, and your rising sign. So you want to know those three if you can. Rising sign, not everybody can sort out because you need your time of birth to figure out your rising sign. Um, but your sun and your moon, your sun, you can definitely sort out for the 
most people can sort out their sun. Your moon, if you don't know your time of birth, can be questionable if the moon changes signs the day you were born. Um, but it's worth looking into. And then your rising sign. And those will tell you like so much just about yourself, your personality, how you move through the world, and how other people might witness you. We also talked about ritual and crafting sacred moments out of life. And ritual really piggybacks on everything we've talked about because anything can be made sacred through ritual, anything at all. And ritual can be all of like five minutes. It can be half the day if you want it to be. But thinking about what you're already doing and make it magic by being present, intentional, and creating ritual out of it. And your life will just feel more magic, more delightful, and more empowered instantly. And then we talked about numerology. And numerology, there's a lot to it. There's actual numerology, and then there's like angel numbers, and then there's repeating them, or there's um, ascending and descending numbers, and there's significant numbers. And not all of that is numerology, but I think when you start going into numerology, you quickly open those other doors. And I do, it's the topic that I am I personally am the least interested in, <laughs> but I think it's because for me, so much of it is channeled information and, um, and it's, it's, uh, and that's fine. I don't mind channeled information by any means whatsoever. Like some of my favorite Oracle cards are, are channeled information, but I, I think that where I get hung up on it is that the varying opinions on it are so different. And I, I think that adding that layer of confusion, of like, well, what's the right thing? It just makes it harder. And I really think that you can decide for yourself about numbers and what they mean for you and be just as effective as you would be if you learned numerology. However, that said, though, there are a lot of cool things in numerology. And if you're a numerologist listening to this, then you know this, uh, like really cool synchronicities when you add up someone's life path number, or you start diving into these um, patterns of numbers that they see that are just like awe-inspiring when you see it. You're like, oh my gosh, how can that be true? But it is true. So there is something to numerology. It's just the it's the one topic I have personally invested the least amount of time in diving into. And really, honestly, for no reason in particular. But I do like to look at like in tarot, I'm very interested in numbers and how they show up in the tarot reading. So if we have a lot of odd numbers or even numbers or numbers before five or numbers after five, or if um like a lot of um, repeat, like two fours and eights or three sixes and nines, those kinds of numbers. That makes me really interested. So I'm very interested in number patterns and what they mean for us, which I think is one of those side doors to numerology. So really just where does your interest lie? But regardless of all of these tools, everything we've talked about in Witching 101, the real building material of conscious creation in your life is your energy, which is why... I love the five eye spiral that we teach because it really is focused on you as the, as the creatrix, right? Rather than looking to an external source for, for the power, like you are creating that power. And I invite everybody. I love the tools. Like I love astrology. I love tarot. I have so many tarot decks. I'm always looking at my birth chart. But you are the magic source in your daily life. When you're at work and things go crazy, that's you. When you are with your family and things go wild, that's you. When you're having um, a physical, something's going on with your physical body, that is you and that energy. So learning to use yourself as your magic support tool, I think will change your life far faster 
than learning an external tool, which really are so useful when you have the time to pull back and ask questions, when you have the time to dive in, when you have the time to explore, you want to craft like a sacred space for yourself to just relax and decompress or do some future visioning. But in day-to-day life, looking at yourself with the same power and reverence that you look at a tarot deck or a crystal or your birth chart, like that is, that's where the magic lies because you hold that. And when we can learn that for ourselves, I think that we can just amplify all of this magic we're trying to make so much faster and in a much more effective way. All right. If you haven't listened to all those episodes, you can go back and find them on the podcast. Um, we released them every Thursday for the last, I think like seven weeks or so. And we release episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays as of right now. So it'll be like every other episode will be one of those witching 101 topics, but you can go find them and head over to our blog where you can find even more information, um, and get notes and, and whatnot. If you're a person who likes to read or absorb the information in that way, we have all that over on the blog for you as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me during this series. I don't know what we're going to do after this. I think we've got some more sort of talking about the moon on deck and chakras. And um, we have a free event coming up soon. So be sure to be on the lookout for that and checking out where you can sign up for the free event, uh, because that is starting on March 18th. We'd love to have you for that. But Thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope that you have an enchanted rest of your day ahead. If you love the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or a review that helps us to get the word out about all we're doing here at the Sisters Enchanted. Thanks for being part of our community and we'll see you in the next episode.